Welcome everyone, I'm Lauren Hawkins. Thanks for tuning in with us to Spirituality Adventures. We are so glad you're here and we're very excited about the content we get to share with you through our blogs and podcasts. Spirituality Adventures is made possible by your support. One way you can support us is by liking, following, subscribing, or sharing any of these podcasts or blogs that you like. Another way you can support us is by going to our website, www.spiritualityadventures.com. There you can click the support tab and you can sign up for a monthly subscription or a one-time gift. We appreciate all your support. Now here's Fred. Welcome everybody to Spirituality Adventures. This is a non-judgmental place to explore spirituality. And we've been talking about creativity and spirituality over the last several weeks together. And we've been interviewing a lot of songwriters, musicians, and today... We are so excited to have John Terry with us. Thanks for coming, John. Yeah, thanks for having me. John is a local musician here in Kansas City, and he he is a he is a friend of Matt Cox, who is our videographer with Harbor Media Productions. And so Matt made an introduction, and I've been listening to John <laughs> Terry's music now for a week, and it's been fun to hear. And he has a fascinating career. So why don't you give us just a little intro about, you know, where you grew up and some of your family history sure. and background. Um, I kind of grew up as my dad was a music pastor for most of my life. Um, so we kind of moved around a fair amount. But we right around like the middle of fifth grade, we settled in Kansas City. So I kind of consider this home, but grew up in Lee Summit area. Um, yeah. Always was uh, in a musical family for sure. So I think I think it's funny because my parents kind of had a. I think when they I was the last of four kids. So I think when they got to me, like most of all three of my sisters had like started an instrument and quit. So they were apprehensive about me trying to start an instrument, but I picked up an acoustic guitar that my sister had. I don't know where it came from, but I started playing that quite a bit. I think they saw that I had interest in that. And after about a year of bugging my parents, they finally gave me a, an electric guitar for my birthday. I think I was 14 and I've been playing guitar ever since. I think maybe like six months later is when I like started my own band. I was kind of like, well, I have an electric guitar now. Time to start a band. <laughs> Like, yeah, not thinking anything beyond that, really. Oh, that's great. What What were you listening to at the time when you were fourteen? What were What were your influences at that moment? I think I grew up as a Christian kid, so there was a bit of like my musical history is a bit sheltered. But there were a lot of cool like alternative Christian bands at the time. So, um, Newsboys had just put out "Take Me to Your Leader," which was kind of alternative, and then. Uh, DC Talk had just put out Jesus Freak. Yeah. So like those were two big records for me. And then a band called Bleach had put out a record that I really liked. They were kind of like grungy alternative. Yeah, I, I remember and then Bleach. A friend of mine made me a cassette of like a bunch of secular bands. So I had like uh, Soundgarden, Nirvana, Butthole Surfers. Um, I want to say... There's probably a couple other bands on there that I'm forgetting, <laughs> but 
just like a whole that whole section of like Seattle grunge and alternative bands that were out at the time, and that really kind of changed my whole world as far as wow. what was out there for music. And I really gravitated towards that early grunge alternative music. Interesting, because it felt like you know any regular guy could play it, and I really liked that aesthetic rather than these pompous you know artists that you know were larger than life and no one could touch Mm. never really didn't feel like me but then when the grunge scene kind of came about i felt like Mm -hmm. these guys are just like me Mm -hmm. so there's something i can relate to yeah yeah well good music i i remember i went and saw DC talk at Kemper arena in yeah. Kansas city when they did their Jesus freak tour. Wow. <laughs> and that honestly was an amazing concert. Yeah. Um, gosh, they, they were talented. I was in a, I was in a bookstore in outside in a suburb outside of Nashville one year. And um, my, my, ex-wife was a huge dc talk fan and you know how they had the big magazine section in barnes and nobles we were in a barnes and noble and and she goes i think that's kevin smith over there (laughs) he was reading the magazine you know yeah and uh one of the one of the one of the dc talk guys and i said well go talk to him and she goes no no you know yeah so i said i will and so i just walked right up to him and said hey are you Kevin Smith? And he's, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you know, and uh, like, I was a pastor at the time. And, you know, it's yeah. just like, we, we ended up talking like 30 minutes, just super down cool. to earth guy. It was kind of fun, nice. but yeah. So, so you're kind of into the grunge scene and all that. When did when, I know you're, you're really well known in the Christian metal community yeah. and the metal community. So when did you get into metal? When was your, when were, what were your early metal influences? So I, I played in like kind of a grungy, like alternative band through high school. And then kind of like my junior year is when I kind of discovered like bands like Zayo and Norma Jean was kind of, they were ludicrous first, but became Norma Jean. Kind of discovered that. And then friends that I started hanging out with were all interested in that same style. And so we decided to form a band that was that style called um entropy was the first like heavy band i was in um and that lasted for probably about a year year and a half and that kind of morphed into a band called the james dean trio and that was the first band that i did like small tours with and we felt pretty serious about it for quite a while as serious as we were we weren't very serious about it (laughs) we didn't take much seriously but Mm -hmm. Were you still in high school? Yeah. Okay. In that was like through the, that was right at the end of high school into like the first two years out of high school. Um, some of us went to college. Some of us didn't, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do at that point. So I was just working. Um, we would play with, um, bands around town. We have good friends of ours who are in a band called flattery leads to ruins and Jake Ryan and Dan Eaton were in that band and Jake Ryan went on to play with the chariot. And so that's how that connection was made. Um, so I'd say after James Dean trio, 
I decided to go to college up in St. Paul, Minnesota for recording technology. So I was there for about a year and a half. And then after that time, I went back home and was just kind of playing with a few bands in town. And about a year later is when Jake called me just kind of out of the blue. And he's like, Hey man, what are you up to? I was like, Oh, just delivering pizzas and playing some music. He's like, Oh, you still playing guitar? Cool. Well, I gotta go I'll talk to you later. And I was just like, man, that's a weird phone call to get <laughs> out of the blue. And I knew at that point that he had been playing in the chariot. So I was, the wheels started turning of like, uh, uh, this might be something. So I think he ended up calling me back like a week later or something. And he's like, yeah, our guitar player and our bass player are leaving. And we're kind of looking around for people. Um, I'll be home in like two weeks if you want to like meet up and hang out. So that was kind of like the point where I was like, okay, like I'm going to, I don't like going into any band or any situation unprepared. So I went to Best Buy and bought, I hadn't really listened to the Chariot at all. I bought their first record at Best Buy, brought it home and listened to it. And I was like, man, this sounds terrible. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> so I went back to Best Buy and bought their newest EP, which had was recorded a little bit better. So I could at least hear what was going on. And so I was like, well, I can start with this. So I started learning all those songs within that two week period before meeting up with Jake. Oh, wow. So by the time I met up, I was like, he was like, Hey, have you heard any of our songs? I was like, yeah, I've been working on like the EP. And he's like, Oh, cool. That's pretty much what we play. <laughs> I was like, okay, good. So within the next week, I think we had gotten together just to jam and see if it would work and it felt pretty good. I was obviously it's weird when you go into a situation and it's just like guitar and drums and I don't know what these songs are supposed to feel like. I'm just playing what I heard on a, here on a record, but it felt pretty good already at that point. And that kind of just snowballed into our time with the chariot. Yeah. <laughs> so fast and furious. I know. I want to talk about this cause this is fascinating. So I've, I've listened to a lot of chariot songs now and um, I, it, it's just fascinating to me because it, it wasn't what I was listening to, you know, when you were playing it, I yeah. wasn't, but, but I did have some connection because we, we, you guys were on with tooth and nail yeah, and I would always get the tooth and nail uh, compilations that yeah. would come out like in the Christian bookstore. And me too. I, I think it was actually, <laughs> maybe a VHS in the early day. Was it, or was it a DVD or they would do both. They do like a CD and then they would also do like DVD and VHS. Yeah. Of like all the videos. Yes. Right. Yeah. Of the music videos. Mm -hmm. And that's, I remember that. So that was kind of one of my early, uh, learning all these Christian metal bands. Yeah. Right. So that would definitely be the genre that you were in would be Christian metal band. That was, would that be the chariot? We always got lumped Dang. into metal, but we never really felt very metal. We were like, it's hard to explain, but there's just a fine line between like early punk music and metal to me. Like punk is just like kind of became metal for some bands. It's metal is just like faster punk, but then there's like metal and hardcore, which hardcore is even closer to punk, I would say. There's all all these little subgenres, mm -hmm. but we always we didn't feel like like a metal band, like a Metallica or like Cannibal Corpse or something like that, which is like real heavy 
we were more on like the punk rock side of like we can kind of play our instruments pretty good but we're not like super technical and we're not going to try to be it's like we're going to have like high energy shows but we may not play every note specifically perfectly like it was more about the like feeling and the energy of a show rather than like trying to be perfect with every note of every song yeah so one of the one of the things that fascinates me and i'm a non-musician and i've just been i've been a fan of musicians my whole life right so but like so many of the songs it's like click 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 and then bam (laughs) yeah it's just like like the third click and then it's just like vocals are screaming and all the guitars <laughs> yeah. are screaming and the drums are screaming. Everything just goes click, click, click. And then wham, it's just like this wall of sound comes yeah. at you. I find that it's just fascinating to me. It's not like you don't like ease into anything. Yeah. Hardly, you know, I think a lot of the chariot was just about like the energy of, of what music could be rather than like, every note like perfectly and standing still it's like how much force can you put into like playing your guitar in like this one section and like what could you do like to envelop the crowd like could you just run and jump out into the crowd and keep playing like it's like what could you do to make it crazier and more intense and fun really <laughs> yeah yeah so you guys too when you jumped on with the chariot in what 2005 is that right it's five or six. I, okay. <laughs> yeah. You guys were touring like crazy already, right? Yeah. I mean, from me talking to Jake in that first meeting, I would say um, Josh came to Kansas City, the vocalist. Um, and we, like, as soon as he got there, we started practicing. And within, we basically would practice the set, which was like six or seven songs. Chariot sets were always pretty short just because he can't put out that much energy for all that long, but that's another story. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The, so we would practice for about a week and then we started writing for a record and that was probably like, so we would kind of switch back and forth, play the set, try to write, you know, just pretty typical, like creative energy in that sense. And within two weeks, we were, we went to go play a festival and then we had about a week to hone in our set a little bit more. And then we were on like a huge tour for that summer. So within like three weeks of getting together and playing songs, we were out on the road and that we would play over 200 shows a year, if not more. Was that all in America? No, a couple tours in Europe. Really? Yeah. What countries in Europe? All over. I've, my first tour was six weeks, and we went almost everywhere but Spain. So, like, most of, like, a lot of the Central European. So, like, we did UK, France, Germany, um, Belgium, and Switzerland. I don't know. It gets fuzzy because that was yeah. a long time ago, but... I've since done a lot of tours in Europe. So I've played a lot of different countries on your solo stuff or with listener or mostly with listener and, but with the chariot, we did a couple European tours as well. Okay. Yeah. 
Cool. So when the chariot toured, so you're, you, you were, you were a Christian band. Is that, is that right? Is that, is that, that okay to like, say that? Yeah, that's or? okay to say that. I think that's always like, it's a point where people will stop and they want to like explain it. And I think that's, that makes sense. I think we were Christians in a band because I think a band being Christian is kind of a strange thing. Yeah. It's kind of like the veggie tales were Christian vegetables. Like <laughs> vegetables are just vegetables are just vegetables. <laughs> you know, I completely understand. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of why we we yeah, thought the, that phrasing was strange. The Christian culture wants everything to be Christian. That, yeah, right? Christian think, yoga, Christian this, Christian. You know, <laughs> and that a lot of times where the question would come from would be from the Christian culture. Yeah, like everybody else didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. As much. So, but part of me asking that is, and is connected. So when you toured, were you doing mostly bars? Were you doing clubs? Were you doing, were you doing churches? Was it a mixture of stuff? Like what, what venues were you playing in? Early on with the chariot, we would play almost anywhere. I would say Most churches aren't as receptive to like that style of music. And because there's the whole background of like, most of those bands are going to play in clubs and bars. So like churches are like, oh, we don't want a band that plays church, <laughs> like bars. Like we want a cr good Christian band. And then we would play like churches and they would be upset that we wouldn't like have an altar call. Like this, this old like th thought of like how ministry could be or like, yeah you know, who we were as Christians at the right. time. So you had an awkward relationship with the church. Is that <laughs> yeah, a good way to say I'd it? Say so. Uh -huh. And at the time, and I think even still, like I don't really consider myself a Christian anymore, but I still have a faith that's based in my past, which is definitely Christianity. Um, at the time it felt, more real and more of a ministry to talk to people outside of a church because there wasn't this like agenda in place. It was like, I'm going to meet you where you are and we're just going to have a conversation about what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that to me felt more like edifying to both of us really than to try and like go to a church and we're going to shove it down your throat and you're going to have now you're going to like be changed forever from mm -hmm. this one day forward. Mm -hmm. That didn't feel real to any of us. So one heavy metal concert <laughs> changes your life forever. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, maybe though, you never know. Yeah. I mean, you know, you never know. I'm open to that, <laughs> <laughs> but it might've just been the music. You never know. Anyway, that's funny. I mean, I still talk to people today. They're like, your music changed my life. And yeah, that's great. And I'm glad. So I think, I think my, my feeling is that music, music, when I listen to music, it's a spiritual experience for me mm -hmm. and that, and it, it doesn't matter where the music is coming from. It can be coming from, it could be death cab for cutie coming from a guy who says he's an atheist and I find their music incredibly spiritual. Yeah. And it could be Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam, who I think probably says he's an agnostic. And I find he's like the most spiritual agnostic I've ever known, you know, sure. his music just. So to me, music is spiritual and it moves people at a heart level. Yeah. And it's transcendent. Yeah. There's, there's, it connect, you know, you're in a concert and everybody's 
together move it's it's like being at a chiefs game and everybody's going go yeah. chiefs it's like being in a yeah. everybody connects there's a connection that goes on for sure i think spiritual and transcendent at concerts yeah. it could be a country concert it could be you know whatever i i agree completely. yeah so good stuff so so you're in these different venues and you come at people with this wall of music you're doing seven songs and the size of your your venues is did it vary from 50 people <laughs> oh, yeah. to what were some of the larger venues you might have done like what's the largest crowd you played in front of i'm curious me personally yeah or with the chariot either way man we've played every now and then you'll play like a big festival and you might play for I don't know numbers, but maybe up to like 30,000 people. Gee. But that's like once a year, yeah. maybe if you're lucky. Yeah. Did you ever do Cornerstone? Yeah. That was a, yeah. That's an old. So we played main stage at Cornerstone. And I think the estimates for like that on a regular basis were around 10,000 people. Yeah. So that's another thing. Before the second show I played with the chariot was main stage at Cornerstone. Wow. And I'm just like what am i doing here wow for for those who are listening uh cornerstone was put together by a band called res band yeah who actually were kind of a, some hippies that started following jesus and and built a little community in chicago yeah that lived together and kind of did things in kind of like first acts two church kind of stuff mm -hmm. but then they did this kind of hardcore band metal it wasn't really metal but it was it was just hard rock band it was yeah definitely a uh kind of like the chariot of its day not yeah. that we're like res band but a band that wasn't in the norm for its time right. still proclaiming to be christians yeah so then they put together this festival called cornerstone and it's man it's gone for decades hadn't it yeah i mean it it ended about probably about 10 years ago, but a lot of festivals had attendance drop off, but Cornerstone was like every year just paying back the previous year. And finally a lot of the companies were like, we can't, yeah, we can't keep letting you take on this yeah. debt every year. So that kind of ended. It was almost like a, it was almost like a Christian version of Woodstock or yeah. something like that. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> <laughs> I went almost 10 years in a row. I would go for 15, 20 years. I think I missed one year. Mm -hmm. So like that was like, I could go to Cornerstone and be like, this is a faith I could get behind because there was every culture you could imagine and everybody had different ideas Yeah, and it all felt welcome there. Yeah. Even the people I knew who were like helping to run Cornerstone, I could really like relate to in a lot of ways. Very cool. Well, that's that's fun stuff. So, and you're you're with the label Tooth and Nail, mm -hmm. and um, was there anything work? Was that a positive thing working with them, or <laughs> did it does it turn? Was it just like I I hear so many crazy, usually negative stories yeah. about working with labels and stuff like that, you know? But I think there's kind of both with that because there was a guy named Chad Johnson who worked there who his label kind of got absolved or absorbed into tooth and nail. He was part of take hold records and Chad was amazing. And I felt like he really 
like genuinely cared about his bands and tried his best to do what he could for you and went to bat for you with the label. Um, but in the same vein, like I think knowing what I know now, like as a label, it's, they're not, they don't really consider themselves Christian, but they have a lot of the founders of Christian and a lot of Christian bands. They have some of the worst deals of any secular label even, or like treatment that I hear constantly from people that have been mm. a part of that label. Okay. So like there's both sides, like you have good people. There's always good and bad people in some scenarios. And yeah. Chad was amazing and continues to be to this day. But like, I mean, we've sold, I don't know how many records at this point, but Chariot sold maybe over a hundred thousand records or something. And, like, I don't think any of us see any money on a regular basis. I get like a 30 cent check a year or something. <laughs> so, wow. I mean, I feel like that's stealing in a way. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like Apple Music. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> streaming. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Boy, the digital age, sure. Uh, everybody's still trying to figure out how to make money in this digital yeah. world, aren't they? Crazy. Well, tell me, um, so, you know, you have this wall of music, you're engaging the crowd. It's, it's like a complete immersion into sound and, and you guys were, you guys were radical in your stage performances. Yeah. Matt, Matt showed me <laughs> your videos. video yeah. from Perth. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Describe that, that, cause it's like an 11 minute. So you can do the chariot Perth. For those who are listening, P-E-R-T-H. Was this in Australia? Yeah, I wasn't in the band, but I've heard. Ah, okay. But I've heard about it. Okay. I can share a little bit about it. (laughs) From what I understand, they played this venue, and the whole time the venue was kind of apprehensive about them even being there. And Stevis was the guitar player, like, ran over to where, I don't know, I don't know the whole scenario, but there was a table and a bowl of fruit on the table. And in chariot fashion, he just ran up and kicked the bowl of fruit off the table. And that like the venue is like, that's it. We're shutting you down. You're not going to keep playing. So there's like thousands of people maybe in this venue. And they (laughs) just like cut the power. They're like, you're done. Like you kicked the bowl of fruit over (laughs) 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 for whatever reason that matters. But so I guess the whole venue like filtered out and some guys like, you can come play at my house. (laughs) So that everybody just like drives to this guy's house. They set up and just play at his house and whoever wanted to go could go. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> Probably shook the neighborhood up. Then yeah, I bet. I think Wolf ended up playing on the roof at one point of the house. <laughs> I saw it. Yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah. Reminded me of like almost famous, you know, that yeah. I'm a golden guy. <laughs> I was usually I was usually the guy in the chariot that was like hanging back with the drummer and like trying to give some semblance of music. So I wasn't I would have my moments of like I don't know how to explain it, but I would just like all of a sudden feel like I wanted to get into it and I'd have my like little spurts, but a lot of the times I was just hanging back trying to like give some foundation so where the other two guys could just if they wanted to like throw their bass, throw their guitar and like run out in the crowd, they could, and there would still be like some music going on. Yeah. So that yeah, was my contribution. It's like the band is a mosh pit. Yeah. 
kind of very much so yeah yeah <laughs> and <laughs> that's how that's what i was thinking it's like yeah that's yeah. very and then true everybody else can kind of like jump in with them you know josh would always say like this stage is your stage and people took that literally and that was totally fine so there are some shows where you just end up with 50 60 people on stage and it's just like what's happening but that was part of the fun like it wasn't supposed to just be like about us. It was like, we're all experiencing this moment together. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So um, at some point, and you, you already touched on this a little bit, but you, uh, and I want to get to um, some of your solo projects and your work with listener. Yeah. And even just a little plug about your, your vegan cart. Sure. But, um, but I was thinking, at some point at the, maybe at the tail end of your experience with the chariot, you had a, I don't know if this is the way, right way to say it, but you had a bit of a falling out with the church. Is that, is that a way to say it or not? Maybe not with any individual church, yeah, but not, not any individual church, but you're just, maybe you're, how, how would you describe sort of your relationship to the church? And, and you touched on your kind of how your own spirituality right now. If, yeah. If you, if you want to expand on that a little bit, just whatever you would be comfortable with. I think like a lot of things were happening for me at that. I was like in my mid twenties. Um, a lot of things were changing in my life. I was starting to ask big questions about my faith and I hadn't like being in a band, you have this other version of, like church was just us like in the band. And if we wanted to like get together and talk about it, we did, but it didn't happen all that often. We still prayed a lot together as a band and that felt good. Um, but I purse, I can only speak for myself, but I was getting to a point where it's just hard being in a band and that wears you down physically. And you, Contrary to popular belief, you don't make a lot of money being in a, in a band. I probably made my first year like $6,000, but like all those things factor into just like it being a strain and wanting to try to do something different and change up my life. And I had gotten engaged at that point. So I would say <clears throat> getting engaged, getting married, th that kind of like started the twist of Christianity for me and what it meant and kind of seeking out different things. I started going to a Methodist church for a while and that was a very different approach to Christianity than I had experienced before. Um, <clears throat> I grew up Southern Baptist, so I think there's a lot of like taboos around a lot of different subjects. One of those being alcohol and going to the Methodist church, it was like, whoa, we can, even drink here in the church it's like oh maybe not everything's terrible and bad for you and like i still believe that like everything in moderation is like a very biblical thing that i think is applicable to almost everything in anyone and i still try and live by that yeah that's i cool. don't really drink anymore which is funny <laughs> I always have problems with the moderation part. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you're better off just not, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. So I think it's trying, trying to like sum up that five years 
my marriage didn't last. And I think part of that was we were trying to uphold these Christian values that we weren't really believing in, in our heart of hearts. And it wasn't working for us. And I think within that, we both felt talking about it. We both felt like we don't belong together. Even if we, you know, that's the other part of like the Christian faith, like really doesn't want you to ever get divorced for any reason. And that felt worse to me, like staying together for not really a good reason when it would feel so much better if we had our freedom and could just be what we felt like was true to ourselves. So in that process, also kind of going through my faith process, I was like, I, what I believe doesn't have to be what everybody else is trying to tell me. It can be like what I feel in my heart and what feels real to me. And so I think for a while, I think a lot of the toxic part of the Christianity, I just needed to get away from. Mm. That just meant me not really going to church for a while and just seeking out, you know, what is God? What is this creation thing? And what does it mean? Mm. And I wouldn't say that I've come back to the point where I want to be in church, but I went from being very angry and bitter at church to kind of coming around to like, being open to a lot of like knowing that people are fallible and we all are trying to just figure it out and that you can have a faith. You don't have to completely get rid of it. So like being atheist wasn't the answer for me. I still think, and a part of that is being a musician. I feel there's a moment with playing with individuals where there's a spiritual thing that happens and you feel connected and it's like flowing through you musically. And that's the same thing that I've experienced at church at sometimes. And mm-hmm. I think they're all connected. And it took me realizing like maybe the music part is your spirituality and it does the thing you're trying to force yourself into at a church isn't the right thing. And so the more I kind of focused on that and was touring a lot with listener kind of to shorten the story that felt so much better and more real in like a spiritual practice really and finding, you know, what, what a God or a creator is for me. That's good. I, you, you mentioned as well, like just the connection with people Mm -hmm. when you're like being real, sort of like the community component where two people, like you mentioned, just, you know, sitting down and literally just having a conversation and, your stories, you know, you connect over that. That's a, I think that connection with yourself, connection with others and connection with something greater you is what I have described with spirituality mm-hmm. adventures is kind of what I'm talking about Yeah. when I think about it. And so that happens and certainly happens with music. For me, that's yeah. a huge part of my spirituality and I don't even play anything and I can't sing on tune very well, Yeah. but I listen to music and I, I'll listen and re-listen and, you know, I can and memorize you, lyrics and something I can, new can come out each time. Every time. Yeah. yeah. I think that's spirituality for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. I, I studied the Hebrew Bible mm-hmm. uh, and worked on a PhD in the Hebrew Bible. And um, the first, the opening two chapters are the creation story. And those are, written in what we might call poetic prose 
so it's not quite poetry, but it's not just strictly uh, like prose or or and it's certainly not narrative history. It's a it's a it's a poetic rhythmic. It's almost like mm-hmm. the opening chapters is a song. Yeah, that's being sung. Creativity. So I think about you know like creativity and yeah. spirituality, and to me those those flow from the same space. Um, this uh, you know yeah all all of creation vibrates with sound yeah <laughs> right yeah and and even even this ancient creation story starts out with with melody and rhythms and yeah. it's like like spoken poetry <laughs> yeah which maybe gets us to <laughs> yeah another big part of your your story is um you 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 ended your career with the chariot mm-hmm. but then you picked up with another with solo projects and with a band here in Kansas City called the listener yeah so maybe talk a little bit about your solo work and and your work with the listener sure and explain it because some of the audience that's listening won't be in tune with the indie world and yeah. won't know sort of um, how big a band listener is and, mm-hmm. and some of your solo stuff as well. Yeah. You've done a lot of work, my friend. That's yeah. great. I have to work. I think part of me be, like being honest with my creative side is like, I have to do the work. Like just, that's just part of me. Like no matter how hard it may be, I'm, I am an artist and I have to be creative. Um, so yeah, starting with listener just kind of happened because, you know, I, my good friends needed a guitar player, which I think all good things kind of happened that way. And everything in life was lining up to where I was open and available to do that. So about six years ago, I started playing guitar with them and probably did even more touring than the chariot within the last five years. Um, I don't know exactly how much, but when I first started dating my now fiance that first year, I was only home like three months, which is very hard, but I don't know where I was going with that, but that kind of starting listener also encouraged me to start um solo project just because as my friend Derek Sanetti would say, he's uh, the homeless gospel choir said uh, therapy's too expensive so I just write music and that feels <laughs> pretty spot on with me as well so my first foray into like solo music was just dealing with um, coming out of a divorce and my faith and all of that is put into like my records and just kind of it's really just me talking about it in music and trying to work through it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so tell us about some of the your solo stuff then um it was really just out of necessity i didn't have a project or a band at the time and really just wanted to be creative so i just started putting stuff down and it was very deliberate that i didn't want to do something like big and heavy like the chariot i just wanted to like strip down to play a lot of the music that i really like to listen to which is more mellow and laid back so, yeah, I just started writing and keep writing. It's just kind of this 
when I don't have anything else to work on, it's something that I work on. It's part of my creative process. So you've done different titles for or different bands for your solo albums. What do you, how do you kind of, just, I, I try to put it all under John Terry. Okay. Yeah. So I've done like so like stolen EP. nations. That's a different project. Okay. So that's not, <laughs> you don't consider that a solo project then. I mean, it, it kind of is Chris Rochelle who plays in the listener has joined me for that project. Cause I can't do drums. So I always default to somebody who can play drums. Well, okay. That was kind of a one-off and there's more of that in the works, but it's just kind of finding time when maybe this summer. And it's, it's a bit leans more toward heavy. I would say it's kind of the midway of like the chariot stuff I did and like my solo stuff. Cause it's feels like a rock and roll band to me. Okay. And sometimes it's just a matter of like, I'll start a project to push myself in a direction. It's like, can I play guitar and sing? Mm. okay let's write some songs and try it and yeah okay yeah i can do that <laughs> so solitaire yep. is um solo one of your record. solo records and it's it has a like an alt country yeah. feel to it beautiful stuff i really thank you that would that's kind of more of the stuff i would like gravitate toward yeah. listen to and that's a lot of what i listen to okay. bands that i really like yeah Kind of Americana, mm -hmm. that vein. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. I love that. Um, then you're, then just tell the audience a little bit about Listener. Yeah. So Listener's, um, a guy named Dan Smith started the project as, he was a rap artist early on, like probably around 20 years now ago. And... Um, would do a bunch of different projects kind of within his rap name of the listener. And that kind of, he got to a point where like lyrically, a lot of that genre just didn't really feel real to him. Like he wasn't like rap and hip hop lyrics don't, didn't really like connect with him. So he's like, I really like a lot of rock and indie music. So he kind of transitioned listener from more of like a rap project into more of a just spoken word with some tracks and some instrumentation. And that was about 10 years ago. And that's kind of morphed into more of a full band at this point. Um, but listeners put out six or seven records at this point. Yeah. 2000, like two, I think till yeah. now. Yeah. Um, I think the, the first, like the biggest record and the biggest switch um, and for those who don't know, it's, we kind of call it talk music because there's a lot of spoken word over music. It's not just like melodic words. It's just like speak a lot, kind mm -hmm. of in the vein of me without you, if anybody knows that band. Um, so Wooden Heart, I would say, is the most popular record and the, the record that a lot of people kind of gravitated towards. And that just turned 10 years old last year. Okay. And that I would say from Wooden Heart on is kind of pretty much what the band is today. There's, there is some big shifts and change musically, but sound wise, that's very much mm -hmm. what it is today. Yeah. I, I listened several times to the uh, being empty, being filled. Yeah. And 
you know, really enjoyed it. Um, it's a great record. Yeah. Excellent. Dan and Chris wrote most of that themselves. It was kind of a transition period where I was, they had a lot of that already written. So it made sense for them to just go ahead and record it mm-hmm. themselves. But yeah, it's fantastic. So you've, you've toured all over the America <laughs> and Europe with all, listener all over the world. Yeah. yeah. And are you guys, um, what, what kind of, what, what kind of venues are you guys doing when you tour all over? A little bit of everything. Um, we, we try to stick to venues these days just cause we listen early on listener did a lot of DIY stuff. And the only issue with that is quality of sound. When you get to a band level, if you don't have quality sound, like you're not going to hear any lyrics and listeners so heavy on lyrics mm-hmm. that we'd, we'd like to have good sound where we, where we can. And that's, we tend to, especially in Europe, they treat us really well. We tend to play pretty decent sized venues there. Nice. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, by the way, I, I meant to ask you this when we were talking about chariot, just to jump back for a second, <laughs> yeah. but, um, on one of the chariot albums, I it's, it was interesting to me as so that you had this, heavy metal but then mm. occasionally you throw in these little like old style yeah. songs or hymns or something and one of them at the end of your fiance yeah. album you had this old hymn i'd never heard of it it's called the trumpet yeah and it's like where was that recorded and so that has a fascinating hymn yeah it's a fascinating story too um there was a friend of Matt Goldman was a producer who's done several of the chariot records. A friend of his is also an engineer and created a documentary about shape note singing, which is comes out of this Quaker tradition. I was wondering, I was thinking if it was Amish or Quaker yeah. or what I, I knew it had to be a, an older style. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we really related to kind of the story of it and we thought the song was just a lot of that documentary is so powerful, but that tradition of Quaker, what they do, I don't know if it's all Quaker churches, but they point all the pews to the center of the room. And so they'll get together to do these singings. There might be a different word for it, but anyone's invited, anybody in the community, anybody else that wants to come and sing and everybody sits in the pews, but they're all facing the center. And then one by one, there's no, no leadership. Everyone, Whoever wants to can get up and lead whatever song they choose. And one of the kind of unspoken rules is for shape note singing is sing as loud as you can so that you can't hear your neighbor. So everybody's singing almost as loud as they can. And that's, I think, why it's so powerful. Fascinating. Yeah. I've never experienced that. So where did you, re- where was that recorded? Cause that's, you're recording a real. So uh, meeting. I, I can't think of his name. Somebody but singing. I can find out um, the trumpet. Okay, I'm well, just curious. Matt's but. Goldman's friend, who's an engineer, was going to a bunch of these gatherings and recording them live. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, and a lot of those songs are um, what's the word? They're free for anyone. I would love to find one of those and go to it just to experience yeah, it once. Me too. That's really <laughs> interesting. We'll have to do that. Yeah, that'll be a that'll be a a date. All right, sounds good. <laughs> All right. Um, and then one other, you, you and your uh, fiance do a vegan hot dog cart, which I just thought, oh, that's cool. And yeah. so tell us about that and how that might show up around the uh, 
the city and yeah it's called deadbeat eats um and beat as in the vegetable just because it's a funny play on words it was just an idea that cat had uh, a couple years ago to we had been doing vegan taco pop-ups and then kind of when covid started to emerge we couldn't do pop-ups in a bar like we were normally doing so she had this idea to get a hot dog cart, something we could do out in the open. It was a little safer. And we just said, well, let's try it. It couldn't hurt to try. And we've just been very successful with it. And it's just kind of a niche little fun thing for vegan or not, anybody in the community who wants to try something a little different, but still in a vein of a food that you know so well. So we'll do like a special you know, once every couple of weeks, two weeks, but we tend to sell out almost every week and it's just a lot of fun. So how do people find out where you're going to be? It's all been through social media so far. So Instagram and Facebook, and then that community has just grown and people continue to follow and keep up with where we're going to be. So where's your next location? Thursday, we will be at, shoot, I'm going to mess it up. <laughs> Uh, Casey Wineworks in the crossroads will be popping up there. Nice. For about three or four hours. I think starting at six, six to nine, I believe. And if they have cookies. <laughs> yeah. Cookies are really good too. All right. Matt Cox <laughs> plugging the cookies. Yeah. Got to get, the I got, I want to try a, I want to try a hot dog. Yeah, a vegan hot dog. Some. Yeah. All right. Well, man, let's, uh, I, I want to kind of close with you doing one of your songs. Sure. So tell us, give us a little setup for the song you're going to do. Sure. The song's called Longest Day. Um, and I think it's, it's a good nutshell of me kind of coming to terms with religion. And it's kind of a commentary on a lot of the stories I feel like I heard growing up about whether true or not about kind of what the Bible says about you know, what will happen and, you know, where we're going to be and that kind of thing. What happens when you die, kind of. And which al which album is this on? This is on Solitaire. Solitaire, yeah. which is an alt-country mm -hmm. album and beautiful, uh, really well done. I really love it. Thank um, you. And the name of the song one more time? Longest Day. Longest Day. Mm -hmm. All right. Excellent. Sure. All right. This is John Terry, his solo album, Solitaire. And this is his song, Longest Day. This is an alt-country album, beautiful album. In the valley of the shadow, you can light your cigarette And the soft warm glow will lead you back home you can fear no evil Cause you know that he's with you But the line to see St. Peter Stretches on and on and on This will be your longest day This will be Day. I 
Floating in midair Just above the clouds Up among faces Swimming through the crowd One by one Verdicts handed down Perfect brand new body Or a trip back underground What kind of maker Haunts its creation What a gracious heavenly holds Like a belief It's got you pinned to all This is love don't you recall This is the day That the Lord has made Now we'll rejoice I will be glad Because I don't have a choice Yay, good job. Oh, that had some great images in it. Um, you know, you pull out these little <laughs> passages from, yeah. from scripture and then kind of mash them up into uh, life experience. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I love that. Thanks. Very cool. Well, thanks, John, for joining us at Spirituality Adventures. Everybody, thanks. you can tune in. What are you, what's your website? JohnTerry.com. Okay. J-O-N-T-E-R-R-E-Y. Yeah. J-O-N-T-E-R-R-E-Y.com. Yep. yep. And then all of your stuff is on Apple and Spotify, yeah. all the different music channels. Everywhere you could want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So thanks for joining us and thanks everybody for thanks for having me. You bet. It was fun. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thanks again for tuning in. Remember to visit our support page at www.spiritualityadventures.com. If you like what you heard, be sure to share it and leave a comment. Thanks again. Have a great day. Harvey Media Production.